Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. finish the book of first john but this morning i want to talk to you about it's time to testify it's time to testify it's time for us to start testifying it's time for all of us to start telling what the lord has done for us the bible puts it this way puts it in real simple terms when god does something give god the glory you give him the glory You say, to God be the glory. He did this thing. It's him. Uh, One passage of scripture in the Bible says, says it this way. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Did he save your soul? Say so. (laughs) Has he ever helped you? Say so. Has he ever delivered you? Say so. Have you ever experienced a miracle by his hand? Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're to be talking about the wonderful things God has done for us. And if you think about it for a moment, few moments, when we testify, all kinds of things really do happen. Uh, For one thing, when you and I testify, it builds up our faith. Uh, It helps us personally. When I share with you a testimony of what God has done for me, it strengthens me. It builds my faith. It helps me to remember what God has done in my life And it keeps the things that God has done in the past uh, fresh uh, on my heart and mind. And it keeps reminding me that if he has done that in the past, he can do it now and he can do it in the future, that he's still God. And another thing testifying does is it, it encourages people around you that may be going through exactly what you went through. Uh, or maybe they're going through something else, but just, just your testimony of how God sustained you, blessed you, uh, empowered you, gave you the strength and the victory through it all, it'll encourage them. And, and I'll tell you something else, friends. When you testify, you're not just testifying before human beings. You're testifying before principalities and powers. You're testifying before the enemy. And the word of your testimony is powerful according to Revelation 12, 11. It says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And say it with me, and the word of their testimony. Oh, friend, your testimony is powerful. And I'll tell you something else that testifying does is it promotes a spirit of humility and thanksgiving when we testify. And testifying also does this. We can do all the preaching and all the singing we want, but I tell you what, people who do not know our God, do not know our Christ, they want to know what has God really done in your life? When you testify, it encourages people who don't have a testimony. They've never walked with God. They've never been touched by God. But if they believe that you have, then they will be open for the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ to touch their hearts. Uh, So we have to testify. But I want to give you, I still haven't given you what I think is one of the greatest and the most biblical reasons why you should testify. Here it is. I'm going to tell you why we should testify, why I should be testifying 
why you should be testifying, why we should all be testifying, and we should constantly, nonstop, be talking about what God has done for us. You know why we should testify? Our children. Our children need to hear our testimonies. Our children need to hear what God has done for us. We need to be talking about what God has done so that our children and our young people will constantly be hearing about our awesome, mighty, wonderful, miraculous God and what He's done in our lives. And I will tell you, friends, it will build faith in them to trust God. And this is so biblical. I want to give you a couple verses of Scripture. Here's Psalm 145.4. <clears throat> One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You see, friends, we have a responsibility to declare what God has done and is doing in our lives to the next generation. Psalm 78, 3 and 4 says, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, these are our parents now, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. That's pretty clear, isn't it? We have a generational responsibility to share what God has done to those who are coming up under our ministry and leadership as adults. Here's one more, Psalm 71, 18. It says, now also, when I am old and gray-headed, by the way, this was a prayer, when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. The psalmist was saying, God, God I know I'm old and gray, but don't release me until I have adequately praised you and given glory to you in such a way that not only will this next generation hear about it, but generations to come will hear about what you've done in my life. I'm telling you, friends, we should be making a lot of noise about our God. We should be letting people know everywhere what God has done for us. And I'll just give you a couple of general scriptures, and then I want to move into a testimony. Psalm 118.17 says, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. You know what? Honestly, I think as Christians, there are times in our lives, all of us, when we need to get in the enemy's face and we need to say to the enemy, no, no, I shall not die. This thing is not going to take me out. I will not die. I will live and I will declare what God has done for me. I believe we, all of us, have to do that from time to time. <clears throat> and then here's another one, Luke 8, 39. Jesus did a, an amazing and marvelous miracle for a man. And this man did exactly what anybody would want to do after Jesus had done a miracle for them. This man said he wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus wouldn't let him follow him. This is where we pick up Luke 8, 39. Return to your own house. And tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Oh, friends, isn't it time we tell throughout the whole family? Isn't it time we tell throughout the whole church? Isn't it time we tell throughout the whole business? Isn't it time we tell throughout the whole workforce that we're working with? 
Isn't it time that we as Christians totally, completely, 100% come out of the closet and tell people that we belong to the risen Savior and Lord, that He lives in our hearts and lives, and that He is constantly doing a work in us? Isn't it time that we go throughout the county and tell people what God has done for us? Well, this morning, I have a testimony for you. And... I want to tell you, this testimony took place 23 years ago. And there was a series of events that unfolded that honestly today it's still hard for me to believe. But I know it happened because I was there. I experienced it. Uh, I was a part of it, and I was the recipient of it. But God performed uh, a mighty and an amazing miracle. I've never stopped telling it. I will never stop telling it about this miracle but today me telling this story is a little bit different because it's not just my story it's somebody else's story also it's kind of our story and I am fortunate to have a dear brother in the service with me today brother John Abbott would you please join me on stage And we're going to sit down and tell you our story. Come on, I'll pull you up. (laughs) You will. Sit right over on that chair. I'll get us started, and then I'll get John started here in a minute. Let me tell you how all this started. I better better grab me some notes back here in case I have to refer to it. I'll tell you how all this started, and I didn't know he was going to be here today. Brother Open Porter is the one who started all this. God used him, and I guess to say he started it would be wrong because we don't do much of anything, but when we let God, he does things through us. He'll, He'll take simple words we say, simple actions, and he'll take those words and actions, and he will use them in his kingdom work. And I heard uh, Brother Othan, by the way, good to have Brother Othan and Miss Lila Ruth with us. These are Diane's parents. And, um, uh, but I heard Brother Othan tell a little story about some Methodist ministers that had served faithfully the Lord their whole lives. And they had lived in parsonages, they'd lived in pastoriums. And at the end of their ministry, when they retired, they didn't have any place to live. What the church had meant for a blessing actually turned out to be a curse. They had lived in church housing, and they had no equity, and they had no home. They were kind of out on their own. And so uh, uh, that, that stuck in my head, Brother Othan, and I couldn't get that out of my head. And I, I started thinking, Now remember this is 23 years ago, I was thinking, I'm 40 years old, and it won't be long, I'll be 60. And here I am living in the pastorium, the church house, and that's a wonderful thing, but one day I'll retire and I won't have any place to live. I'll be homeless. You know, I mean, I I wouldn't have any equity. I guess I could rent a place or maybe try to build a place, but that, that would be real tough. And so I'm serious when I tell you that that got to be such a burden on my heart that my wife and I started praying. And we prayed hard and long about this, 
And then we stepped out on faith, and I bought a piece of property. And we used every penny we had to buy that piece of property. Uh, we were glad to have it, but now that we had the property, we were broke, <laughs> living from payday to payday, and had no means or no resources or no equity or nothing. And so, uh, uh, but we decided after prayer to take another step. We spent a couple weeks and we prepared the plans. Uh, we drew up the plans for the home that we would and will build one day if somehow God makes it possible. So we, we, we drew the plans up. And then we had them turned into blueprints and, you know, we had the blueprints. We had the property, we had the blueprints, but we didn't have any money, didn't have any resources. By the way, I bet you there's somebody here today that God's put something on your heart that you want to do, but you don't have the resources. Uh, can I say this? Uh, if it's led of the Lord, you may not know how many resources you have. Does that make sense? Well, here, here it was. And, and I, I'm just going to tell you that uh, I'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, friends, until you are willing to attempt something you can't do, you will never know what God can do. Have you, ever, have you ever heard this expression, man's extremity is God's opportunity? Well, friends, when you reach the end of yourself, you've reached the beginning of what God can do. And, and so uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, we, we began uh, to pray and we began to step out on faith. And I want to tell you something about this stepping out on faith. And that is, <laughs> this is, I don't know any other way to say this, but it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. I, I know somebody here is saying, Pastor, what if I step out on faith and it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work? I failed. I can pretty much assure you, you will fail. I have. And if we're honest, most of us have here. We've stepped out on faith, we've prayed about something, we've desired something, we've wanted something, we've taken it to the altar, we've done everything we know, and it didn't work. But with that in mind, I still want to tell you that if that moves you to a position where you never step out on faith, then you'll never know what God can do. I, this is something I, Brother Dallas was the first one I ever heard share this, and I, I want to share it with you. This is uh, Ron DeMarco. I've dreamed many dreams. This is worth sharing. It says, I've dreamed many dreams that never came true. I've seen them vanish at dawn, but I've realized enough of my dreams, thank the Lord, to make me want to dream on. I've prayed many prayers when no answer came, though I've waited patiently and long, but answers came to enough of my prayers to make me keep praying on. I've trusted many a friend that failed and left me to weep alone, but I've found enough of my friends that are really true that will make me keep trusting on. I've sown many seeds that have fallen by the way for the birds to feed upon, but I've held enough golden sheaves in my hand to make me keep sowing on. I've drunk the cup of disappointment and pain. I've gone many days without song, but I've sipped enough nectar from the roses of life to make me keep living on. You see, friends, I, I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods and tell you that there's this somehow magical, mystical place in the kingdom of God where you can step into that and get everything you want every time you want it, just like you want it. Somebody's misleading you if they tell you that. 
And do you know why? Do you know why? Because if it was just God there, that would be true. But the problem is, is we bring all kind of mess and garbage and foolishness into that place. And here's what I want to tell you. In spite of all of our failures and weaknesses, God still wants us to step out on faith. One scripture says it's impossible to please God without faith. Another passage of scripture says all things are possible to those who believe. And, and so Jesus said it's possible. Well, so here's what happened. The biggest leap of faith that we took in this whole thing, we bought the property, we drew the prints, we had those ready. And on Easter Sunday morning, 1992, I stood up and I, I, there was just no reason for me to do that on an Easter Sunday morning. The church was packed. I don't know why I did it, except that God was in it. And I stood up in front of the whole church and you told them about a leap of faith. Now, folks, this was a leap of faith for me. I got up before the whole church and I said, my wife and I have bought a piece of property and we've drawn the prints. I, I don't, well, I don't think I say anything about the prints. I said, we bought a piece of property. We're going to move out of the pastorium and we're going to build a home and we're going to move into that home. And I'd like for you to be praying for me and supporting me in that. And quite a few of you were there that Sunday morning when I said that. And then that was it. And then I just went on with my message. But after the service, this big, intimidating guy walked up to me that I'd never seen before. And uh, he said, do you have your prints? And I said, yes, I do. I've got some blueprints. And he said, I want to see them. And I said, well, I'll be glad to show you sometime. But it's Easter Sunday morning. My wife has plans. And, and I can't do it right now. And he said, I want to see them now. And I don't know, I just, you know, I mean, his beard was solid black in those days, and, and he weighed a little more then. Than he, I, I just didn't feel like looking at him in the eye and saying no. And so I said, well, okay, we'll go over to my office very quickly, and I'll let you see the prints. And we get over to my office, I hand him the prints. That's where you're going to step in. All right? What got you to that point? Yeah, I think it's on. Do anything. Right. It's a, yeah. Yeah, can it's you hear on. me? Yeah. <laughs> Well, for three or four nights before that, I had been having a dream. And the Lord was coming to me, and I knew it. He, uh, I'm a builder. I've been a builder for 46 years. And at that time, I was building conventional houses. And the Lord would come to me every night in this dream. And I dreamed I was building a house. And I was building a house for somebody that I didn't know. And the person I was building the house for was standing in the middle of a slab. And I guess I was a slow builder because I was in that same spot on that slab for four nights and never moved. <laughs> but when I'd wake up in the morning, I would give slap out. <laughs> and I'd get up and I'd tell my wife, I don't want to go to work today. I worked all night. Well... Finally, I, I'd get up and go to work. Well, I did this for about four nights. And that Sunday, we came to church. We were in the Baptist church then. Now, Henry, that was before he changed over. And, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we came to church that night. We had company that morning, so we didn't come. But we came that night, 
And it was the night they were going to have the voting for his, what they were going to give him, I think, for an allowance for his house. So after church, we got up and left, and uh, that's when I told him I said, I need to talk to you. And I had already figured out it was the Lord doing this. It wasn't just a dream I was having. The Lord made it real clear. And he told me to go talk to Henry. So I went and talked to Henry. And it's uh, been a long time, so I'm not going to get it all just right. I'm not as young as he is. And uh, so we looked at his plans, and I said, Henry, I'm going to build your house for you. And he said, no, you can't build my house for me. You can help me. He said, but you can't build it for me because I can't afford to pay nobody to build it for me. And I said, I didn't ask you to pay me for it. I said, I'm going to build your house for you. And I knew the Lord had told me I had to do this. Why he was picking on me, I don't know. <laughs> Henry was doing something. But uh, so... He said, well, you want the plans to take with you now? And I said, might as well. So he gave them to me, and I carried them home. He said, you want to? Uh, you know, let me, let me. You, when you and Sharon came over to the property, I remember I know, that day. I'm getting to that. You well, let well, me finish well, my well. part. I thought you'd left that out. No, I ain't left that out yet. <laughs> hey, he's still intimidating. <laughs> Anyhow, if he'll hush, I mean, then I'll finish <laughs> Well, uh, now you know, made him forget where I was at. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I got his plans, and I went home and started looking at them. <laughs> he had also said that day, he said, would you like to ride out after church next Sunday and take a look at the property? And I said, yeah, I sure would. Uh, and in my own thinking, I wanted to see the property because I knew what the property looked like already, and I'd never seen it. And uh, so the next Sunday we came to church, and after church, he got in his truck, him and his wife, and me and my wife got in my truck, and I followed him out there. And on the way out there, I told my wife, I said, I want to know if this is real. I'm going to tell you what his property looks like, and if it's like that, when we get there, I'm going to know without a doubt God sent me here to do this. And uh, so on the way, I said, when we get out there, it's a big lot. I don't know how many acres, but it looks like it's five or six acres. And the house is going to be built in the far left-hand corner in the back. And I said, right behind the house, there's a row of trees. And those trees are flat. Then they make a dip, and then they're flat again. And the man that I was building the house for in my dream was standing to where I was looking at his back, and the sun was shining on him from the other side through where the trees dipped. And, of course, it was Henry Jones. He stood there for four nights and didn't help me a bit. But <laughs> <laughs> anyhow... But when we got there, she couldn't believe it. And I told Henry then yeah. what had happened. 
And mm. I said, now I hope you understand why I've got to build your house. Mm. Can I go further? Keep going. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm unsure about myself right now. And so, no. All right. Well, for about 10 years, I had been saving materials off of jobs. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Anything that was left over off a of job, I put it in a storage building I had. And we were hoping to build us a, a house to rent or sell or something. And the Lord came to me again and it wasn't in a dream, I just felt him talking to me. And he said, the materials in your shed are Henry's. And it didn't bother me a bit. I didn't want to build up the house anyhow. So I told Henry that I had some materials. I didn't even know what was in there. We'd been saving it for so long. I knew I had some doors, I had some windows, I had some lumber, I just, a lot of a little stuff and a little of a lot of stuff. So, so we uh, decided to build a house and we got out there. You know, John, back on that material, that was kind of miraculous too because in my prints, for instance, across the front of my house, I had drawn in the prints because my wife was very specific about this that we had uh, six 3050 double pane bronze windows. I, I, well, I get to say something in this now, and it was just everything we had drawn in. <laughs> it, it was just there. It was in the. It was there. It was a part of it. Hey, messing up my story. If you'll hush, I'll finish telling it. Would you like me to go sit down and say? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we got out there. My brother was a Methodist. He couldn't help it like somebody else we know. <laughs> but they, uh, he, volunt <laughs> he volunteered to come help me on Henry's house. So when we got out there the first day, Henry was still hanging out as a permit. He was dragging his feet, but we went ahead and started digging the footings. And Brother for Oakland. months, I had had a backache. I couldn't hardly walk, my back hurt to bed. When we got out on the job that day, my back stopped hurting. It did not hurt again until after I finished the house. <laughs> <coughs> That's his fault too. <laughs> but we started the house and we got the footing dug. So I went to my warehouse, my storage building, and pulled out all the rebar I had, and I brought it out there. I had exactly, to the rod, amount of rebar to put in that footing. When I got through with that, your brother, his brother, furnished the concrete to pour the slab. So we got the slab board, and it was time to start framing. Well, a lot of you people here were out there. You remember that, I'm sure. There was probably 30 people, I'd say, out there helping frame that house. And we put that house up that day. We framed the house. I think we even set the trusses that day, didn't we? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think we did. Yeah. May not have been. It went up fast, I know. Right? Quick. And anyhow, after we got everything set, it was time. If where he interrupted me, 
talking about my windows. I went and got my windows and my doors that I had in the shed. And when I got back, we sent them. I had exactly to the window and to the door the right size of everything to fit the holes we had already framed. Right. <laughs> we were short one door, but we hadn't framed it yet because one certain lady didn't tell me about it, and she had to have a pocket door. <laughs> but we got her that pocket door and put it in there. So, but that was an extra. But that's the way this job went all the way along. I know you're not going to tell this part. I went in one day and I told John, I said, uh, he was laying the wall and I said, I don't want that there. And he said, uh, well, that's where Beth said she wanted it. And I said, well, uh, I, I, I want it over here. He said, okay. I left when I came back. He put it exactly where she told him to put it. <laughs> she was a lot nicer than him. <laughs> You know, uh, bottom line is, is we built that house, 3,000 square feet under roof, about 2,200 square feet heated and cooled. And we built that house. John built that house. Many people oh, helped me. God built well, that house. Amen. But I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, it was, um, it, it, it was amazing. And, and almost immediately, we had a few expenses but not too many, is the house was paid for, uh, and the Lord blessed it. And, and, but now I want to I back up and talk to you about something uh, now, because I, I, if I remember correct, correctly, 70 calendar days later, Beth and I moved into that house. It went up that fast. It was finished. We moved in. And if you've never been to my house, I want to invite you to my house right now, all of you, this afternoon. No, I'm teasing. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> On Henry, <laughs> but um, uh, it, it it was it was a miracle. Now let me back up and say something that I had said to the Lord, and this goes back to Brother Othan, and we were talking about this. But uh, this is what I said. I said, Lord, I said I've been serving you for twenty years, and I've been living in pastoriums, and I don't have any equity. I don't have any equity, and somewhere toward the end of this thing. God said to me, you always have equity with me. You always have equity. You, uh, I'm, I'm God. There's nothing too hard for me. Nothing impossible uh, with me. And so uh, I want to read something to you. I wrote down, I wrote this about 15 years ago. And I, I just want to share it with you. And, and I don't mean to be negative, but I fear that this is real close to the truth. We are living in the day of complacent faith. The modern-day church has adop adopted a faith that doesn't work. It's faith without works. It doesn't produce anything. It's rarely ever put to the test. It doesn't have to do anything. It doesn't have to accomplish anything. It is a feeling that does not produce any changes, results, or miracles. You see, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. I, I wanted to share this testimony with you today 
because John is here. He didn't know anything about it until he got here today. And I said, I'm pulling you up on stage. I want us to share the story. But God blessed me. And I'm, I, I, somehow, some way, our God is a way maker, isn't he? And, and he wants to bless his children. I, I would believe that almost everybody here has something that you need God's help on. You need God to come through for you. You, you need to step out on faith. I, again, I won't guarantee you every time you do that that it's going to work out just like you want. I never saw this coming, and, and yet God blessed, and it was amazing. John, can I talk about you just a minute? Uh, John recently found out that he has cancer, and he, uh, uh, not that any cancer is good, but he's got the worst kind of cancer. And uh, John, uh, uh, I know it's in different parts of your body. You can't, the chemotherapy won't work. Radiation won't work. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. We want to pray for you. Can you, can you mind? Okay, you can go ahead. Tell us a little bit, and then we're going to pray for you. It's the rarest cancer there is. I can't, my wife could tell you the name of it, but I can't because it's about that long. But, uh. Uh, I've been going to Mayo Clinic, and I started off in Thomasville, and both doctors told me the same thing, that they'd seen two cases of this kind of cancer, and mine was the second. So they don't really know what to do for it. But we're praying. We're letting the Lord take care of it now. And I put it in his hands, and I trust the Lord, and I've trusted him for a long time now. So it's going to be okay. One way or another, it's going to be okay. Amen. John, we're going we're gonna to step down here, and we're going to anoint you with oil and pray for you. And uh, you want to keep Do you all always keep it this cold in here? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.